Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you like the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast or the Geocache Adventures Facebook page, or share it with somebody that you think would enjoy it. Word of mouth is a great way to spread the podcast. You can also join Geocache Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee. Just follow Geo Adventures. That's one word: G E O Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee and get behind the scenes on every episode or become a member to unlock other exclusive content. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon One here and with me today are Michael and John, the president and vice presidents of the St. Louis Area Geocachers Association, also known as Slaga or is it Slaga? I'm never quite sure on that one. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> What's I the official? Slaga, but is it Slaga? Yeah, okay. Tomato, tomato. It doesn't make a difference to us. <laughs> well, we'll go with Slaga for them. Uh, so thank you both for joining me today. And we're here to talk more about Slaga or the St. Louis Area Geocachers Association. Uh, but first of all, can you guys tell us what your roles are within the association? Okay. You want to go first, Michael? I guess I'll go first. I'm Michael Smith. Uh, uh, caching name is Cootie Man. I have been elected to be president of the board starting, I guess it was, uh, I'm halfway through my first year. It's a two-year term. And I guess my responsibility is to lead the meetings and then organize the events and all the activities that Slaga is doing for cashers and to make the relationship with cashers and muggles and organizations run smoothly. And I'm John Lehman, Borlon 40. And uh, I'm one of the vice presidents. We actually have two and uh, my vice president's role is mainly uh, geared toward training. So we do geocaching 101 classes around the area quite a bit. Um, so I've been organizing and leading those as as the year goes years go on. So again, it's a two year a two year term. Okay. So Slaga is a geocaching association, but other than that, what exactly is Slaga? What well, is it our, all about? I guess, well, I guess our goal is two things. One is to promote the game, which we do, as John said, through uh, through classes, which uh, this year we're doing four or five, right, John? Yeah. And uh, we're doing two through the St. Louis County Parks at Queenie Park. And then this year we've added uh, a, a class down at Tower Grove. And I always forget, it's Brentwood or Maplewood? I think Maplewood. Maplewood. We've done Brentwood before, but this year we're doing Maplewood. So we are basically trying to expose people to what the game is um, through the classes. And then the other thing we're trying to do is uh, create relationships with local parks and associations to make it easier to place caches and to realize what we are actually all about, as opposed to, you know, not just putting garbage in, in parks. Right. We are actually creating a game which will get more people um, coming to the parks. How is that fostering of relationships with the parks going? John? Um, it's going fairly well. That was a, early on um, when Slaga first got started. That was one of the things that they were primarily focused on because the game was so new at that point that uh, there were no landowner uh, relationships. So they had to build them from scratch and basically start to get a hold of the different uh, parks and that kind of thing to let them know what the game was, to educate them. Um, and to work on getting permissions and policies in place in all of the different organizations, Missouri Department of Natural Resources, uh, you know, the uh, county park systems, 
Um, let's see, what's the other one that covers the, uh, but anyway, all the different organizations that uh, have land that would be excellent for geocaching and they may want people to come visit their uh, areas, their parks, the, the areas, but uh, they didn't know about geocaching. So we're continuing to try and foster that and it's going fairly well. We're right now we're working with St. Charles County parks. Um, we've been working with them for about six months um, working on trying to get to a blanket policy for placement of geocaches in the St. Charles County parks. Uh, yeah. St. Louis County park system has a blanket placement policy where they've got a list of guidelines and you don't have to actually get a permit in St. Louis County to place a cache in a St. Louis County park. Um, that as long as you're following the set of guidelines that they've set up, you still have to um, get your cache together and submit it to the volunteer reviewers, just like any other cache uh, that you publish, but you don't have to actually obtain specific permission for your cache as long as it's in a St. Louis County park. Um, and the reviewers work to ensure that the caches that are in the county parks are meeting the guidelines that the, the uh, parks department has set up before they'll actually publish them in the parks. And we've also um, gone to local municipalities. I know, uh, I think a year ago, we went to Fenton, who actually had geocaching on their council meeting. And again, they didn't understand it. So we went down and presented a little more knowledge about it and uh, changed their policy a little bit, but uh, they still were, uh, they wanted us to, Fenton said we had to use biodegradable containers in our geocaches when possible. Ah, And you know when it's um, possible? Never. Exactly. Yeah. So we were okay Ideally, with that. it'll be never. <laughs> right, right. So we were okay with that because of the if possible and we're, you know, we, but we tried to explain to them what the game was. And again, we were able to work with them to get a policy they were okay with and a policy we were okay with. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I'm a little dumbfounded by the biodegradable containers. <laughs> we joke but... about it every, every <laughs> once in a while. We joke about it whenever <laughs> a new policy comes out. Uh, obviously, that's just from not understanding the game, but wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't want to, we didn't want to tell them that there was a geocache like 300 feet outside their front door either. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, that's a lot of it is just education because people don't understand the game. So they don't understand what the guidelines that are already in place are for placing caches, as well as just the whole logistics of what people do to find a cache and what people do to hide and maintain a cache. Right. When did Slaga get started? Yeah, Slaga started back in uh, September of 2001, which is just after geocaching oh. got started um was the first group they there was a group of geocachers in the area and they decided we need to get together for a picnic and figure out who all the other geocachers are in the area so they got together for a, a picnic in rockwood reservation and they actually um at that picnic um went ahead and, and created a slaga um geocaching account on geocaching.com and actually hid the first geocache from slaga um, as part of that event um, oh, wow. And then it's kind of grown from there. And the, the interesting thing about that first cache, it is basically paced, placed by somebody who is actually still an active cacher. Actually, it's an active reviewer. So the oh, person really? who placed that first cache is, is currently a reviewer who yes. just celebrated his 20th anniversary as a reviewer. And I think he is the only one 
that has 20 years of reviewer experience. Could be that's currently active. Right? Wow. But yeah, so those those people got together. And then, like I said earlier, they quickly realized that land ownership or land manager um, interaction was going to be key because they had some issues with some of the caches that were placed that they had to educate the the parks and that kind of thing to get policies in place. So they worked on that quite a bit. And uh, Slaga finally did get uh, um, a 501c7 status in 2007. They wrote bylaws in 2004 and submitted that to get uh, um, to get that status and did get that in 2007. But and we've been, yeah, we've been growing ever since. <laughs> and it's, it's definitely changed over years from, you know, just a get together <laughs> of who's out there to an association educating and fostering relationships within the community. Right. So everybody who is a, um, joins geocache or is a geocacher and has a geocacher account is a member of Slaga. It's a free membership. You know, everybody belongs, but, uh, you know, you can be a pay paying member as well. What's yeah, the premium. difference between the memberships? So the paying member, and it's a, a fairly nominal fee. I think I'm going from memory. It's $15 for a single individual or $20 for a family who live at the same address. So basically the, the people who are, are premium members of Slaga help with the education. So whenever we give a class, they help pay for the training and the volunteers that come do that. But they also get uh, discounted pricing on, um, picnic like the meals at the picnics and it, any kind of item we sell they would get a discount on that and then finally they get uh prizes or milestone awards for uh 50 100 1000 5000 10000 and 25000 fines okay so Laga, you know, it says St. Louis area, but how far out does it actually <laughs> extend in Missouri? And I know that's probably a little bit fuzzy on actually the yeah. the area, but generally. Well, and it's actually not just Missouri because what they chose to do at the time was they decided to put a hundred mile radius um, from a location within the St. Louis County area. So it actually reaches all the way out Slaga territory actually reaches all the way out almost to Columbia or basically to Columbia, Missouri, and then, uh, you know, includes a lot, a lot of uh, Southern Illinois as well. That's a so far that's stretch. all considered part of the Slaga territory. We've even had events over in Columbia and some of the early events were in Jeff City. Um, oh, wow. Especially when they were trying to get together with some of the different organizations, they got together with some Southeast Missouri cashers and some Kansas City area cashers back in the early days in Jeff city to, to talk to some of the uh, officials in some of the land management organizations. That's, that's a pretty good stretch of a reach for, especially early on for a small organization. Yeah. yeah and, and when we do our picnics, which we do quarterly, we try to spread it out to like it's South, North, East, West, so that, you know, one side is one region is not getting favored over another, because again, since we have such a large area, we try to make it convenient for some, at least once a year. <laughs> Do you have to live within that 100 mile radius to join Slaga? No, we no, have several, not. yeah, we have several people who, who were either lived here and then moved away or who actually have visited us from other areas and have joined Slaga, you know, 
like like I said, it's it's free to anybody who's who's a geocacher. And again, even if they wanted to be a premium member, I don't think we that's a question. I don't think we discriminate based upon location uh, zip code. <laughs> right. No. So what is Slaga's role in the geocaching community? You've talked about it a little bit with fostering relationships and education. What else do they do? One of the other things that uh, that I don't think we mentioned early on is that Slaga tries to do is focus on um, providing ways for people to get together, just to meet other geocachers. That was their, you know, in the very beginning, that was one of the earliest uh, objectives. And we're still trying to foster that today. As as Michael said, Slaga officially hosts uh, four picnics or get togethers a year. Um but we also uh, host a couple of uh, cash in trash out events a year. Uh, we've um, adopted a portion of Olive Boulevard that we clean up twice a year um, as a CEDO. Um, and there's other CEDOs in the area as well. But a lot of times we're just trying to foster getting other geocachers together because a lot of the fun in geocaching is meeting other people that have the same uh, interest or obsession, you might say. And uh, <laughs> And form different friendships, and people can uh, can start caching together and and uh, enjoy the game more that way. And just instead of just being a social or uh, a lone activity right. that you do by yourself. And as and and each each board has a different you know focus. And mine is mine has been, in my opinion, broadening the game and getting more people into it. And I say the hook is events. Um, so once you go to an event, you realize that, man, there are other people just like me who love this game and who are, are just a little bit different, a little bit quirky, but who, <laughs> who are who are normal people. And uh, it is surprising when we do the one-on-one classes, we ask them to join the Slaga page on Facebook so that they see, you know, all the activities. And, we, and then we invite them to an event, say, hey, come to an event. You'll meet a lot of people. One that might live three doors down from you that you never knew was a geocacher. Um and then we also were, uh, John alluded to it, we have the CEDOs. And one other thing Slaga does through its members is we're trying to expand. I think, John, you did it. You reached out to, he lives in St. Charles, reached out to St. Charles Stream, the Stream and Clean. You had mentioned that we've done it with St. Louis County through another cacher. So we don't not only do the CEDOs on our stretch of highway that we've adopted, but we also do it for other organizations and have done for, for years, including um, Bell Fountain Cemetery, and uh, I can't think of the the dog cemetery. Yeah, there's a pet cemetery in, in North, North County, County that there's okay, a CEDO. Yeah. Every, every year there's a CEDO up there. On and he's been doing that for five, six, time. seven years. I don't know. It's longer than I've been geocaching. Let's just put it that, <laughs> that way. Yeah, one of the other members we've got um, has recently become the um, Boy Scouts of America uh, geocaching merit badge um, advisor for the St. Louis or for their Oh, uh, really? their council. Um, so we've been working with her to uh, tailor the the geocaching 101 course a little bit to include enough information so that scouts that want to earn a geocaching merit badge can come to the to class and learn uh, what they need to to uh, toward their merit badge. And then there's some other activities they have to do on their own afterwards. But uh, and we also have a park ranger who's a, a geocacher and couple, a couple, yeah, a couple, couple of park couple. rangers, St. Louis County. And they've been, uh, again, proactive in well that's how we that's how we got involved with giving the one-on-one class for st louis county parks but she also does classes on her own but uh again 
through all these relationships, we're trying to foster the game, increase the interest in the game, and create a relationship with the land managers. But let's talk a little bit more about the 101 classes. You have the the basic how to get started geocaching, but you've done some other 101 classes as well. Like there was a container creation not that long ago. What other and types of classes and stuff are are you guys doing? Well, we did the 101 class. I'll let we did the 101 class, a cache creation class um at the beginning of June. And actually we're having another one this actually Saturday. Oh, are you? Yeah. Yes. And we're doing and we did the first one kind of like the same thing with the picnics. The first one was north. This one will be further south toward uh, off of Gravoy Road. Uh, and okay. So uh, again, it was uh well, the magic make major soup magic maker souvenir. You know, kind of, we were going to do the first one. And as soon as we did the first one, two days later, the Magic Maker souvenir came out, <laughs> which uh, said, hey, if you put out a class about souvenir, about creating a cache, you get a souvenir. So, of course, we were going to do it anyway. So this expedited the opportunity to create a second class. So the first class was great because uh, um, two reviewers were actually at the first class. Oh, really? And they gave us, yeah, they gave us insight on what they're looking at and kind of gave us an idea of, hey, if you want this to run smoothly, do this and this and this and this. If you like to uh, beat your head against the wall, then do, <laughs> you know, do the opposite. So we're hoping the second class will be very similar with only one reviewer there to kind of give their inputs on the do's and don'ts and um, the requirements of putting on a cache. Because a lot of cashers are like, well, you know, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? They don't realize that there's not only the geocaching rules, but there's federal rules, state rules, municipal yes. rules. I mean, and it's, you know, they're just like, well, why can't I put it on this? Why can't I put it on a guardrail on Highway 270? You know? <laughs> yeah. And there seems to be some rules that aren't maybe, but the, how's the best way to phrase it? They may be documented, but maybe not the easiest to find or the most obvious mm -hmm. location yes. to find the rules. Like when I published a cache, I did not realize it had to be so many feet away from a playground. And I was like 20 feet mm -hmm. too close to the playground and had to find <laughs> a new, I'm like, where is this listed at? Cause I can't find it. And that is one of the things that was brought up in the cash creation class was, and that's one of those municipal federal state, you know, requirements and that, that and uh, the reviewers went over that saying, and he says nobody ever does it, but go all the way to the bottom of the page. And uh, <laughs> I remember it was a uh, oh, I can't remember what what tab it was, but this is where it says all of that. And yeah. of course, nobody ever looks at that. There's yeah. a lot of That's... information to go through when you're trying to to figure out the process and everything, and having some more direct, you know, pointers and obvious things pointed out right. by reviewers in a class like that just makes it a little bit easier to to digest right. it all and yeah there's actually a, a wiki for each of the regions and there's a missouri wiki on uh cash placement guidelines for the state of missouri that the reviewers all oh. um, manage and keep up to date that includes um, links to all the different policies for the different parks and that kind of thing so uh, i wasn't aware of that and yeah. and it's you can access it through all like I said all the way at the bottom of the cash page the cash publication page, and I, I wish I had to remember the which tab it was but it was all the way at the bottom it was one of them that that you clicked on that took you to the the wikis 
each one or not all of them, but at least one of them, right, John? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. Yeah, one of the other things that wow. Slaga has that I don't think we've mentioned is there's a website at slaga.org, slaga.org. Um, and um, you can go to that, obviously, without being a member. As a member, you get a few more um, access to a few more parts of the website. But in that website, we try and keep up uh, up to date some of the St. Louis area policies. So you can actually go on there and get a copy of the St. Charles County Parks policy or the St. Louis County Parks policy. Um, there's links for those. And I was just thinking the other day, we should include a link to the Missouri mm -hmm. Wiki and some of the publication um, guidelines to make it easier for cashers to find those things um, in yeah. how to find, how to hide, a, how to hide a cash. And, and that's the challenge that a lot of cashers are having is they're, they're getting frustrated with the reviewers because the reviewers are denying their publication. And it's not because the reviewers want to, are not doing it out of spite. They're doing it because they're being directed by, by ground speak or by a, a, a regulation that says, no, I mean, the reviewers are fighting right or are working with Missouri about a, a a requirement that you can't put a cash on a highway, whether it be a lettered highway or a numbered highway or a, a rural highway or a urban highway. So if you can't put a cash on a lot of highways, that eliminates a lot of opportunities and they've pushed back to try to uh, make that more of an accessible option for cashers. Interesting. So that would eliminate like all the rest stop area caches and stuff. Then if you had that. Well, I think it's mostly just on the highway, like a so lot of the guardrails. More... Oh, okay. So, uh, um, but yeah, we, again, the reviewers are helping us out, but they're also, you know, control. Follow, yeah, following, following the guidelines that they've yeah. been doing. Because I, they at times get, uh, get call from law enforcement saying, Hey, you can't do this. And so they have to oh, wow. change the policies based on the fact that law enforcement in a certain area says no, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And we just had wow. a, yeah, we just uh, had a, a cashier who actually put several caches on an inactive railroad track. Oh, I know exactly. That's what we said. And fortunately, one of the, our members, Slaga members commented to me, or I don't know who he commented to. And about three days later, it got archived, didn't it? Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. So that is why, you know, reviewers can only do what they can based upon what they know. And as soon as they found out, they kiboshed it or archived yeah. those. Yeah. That's, oh, on an active railway. That's a bit scary to think. It is a bit scary. I think that's what finally did it was, uh, I think they actually called and complained about somebody on the railroad tracks when a train went by. Oh, wow. So wow yep and we have more scary stories like that if you want. <laughs> that might make a good halloween episode there you go <laughs> wow well you, you guys have talked some about slaga working with outside organizations but how does that come about is slaga usually reaching out to organizations do organizations reach out to slaga sometimes how does how does the magic happen? It's kind of both. I mean, uh, like uh, um, Tower Grove and Brentwood and Maplewood all reached out to us. And again, we, we're a volunteer board. And it seems like we meet once a month for a few hours. And then it seems like it seems like there's something always going on. 
So, you know, it would be nice. And again, my goal is to grow the game. My philosophy is to grow the game with this board. Um, but, you know, there's only so much time. And, you know, if we do all this to try to grow the game, we can't go geocaching ourselves. Right. <laughs> so it is more, it's more of them coming toward us, but we're hoping to be more proactive and be a little more like Jefferson County as a whole untapped area where we haven't really pursued a relationship with the, the parks and the land managers out there. Okay. Yeah. Occasionally we'll get somebody just recently. Um, there was a, a container that got turned into a lost yes. and found um, at a local seminary. And uh, the person realized what it was and ended up calling and asking, um, can you tell me what this is and what I should do with this? And uh, was it you, Michael, that was working? It was Robert. Or Robert, our other vice president, uh, um, looked it up, figured it was a geocache and where it was supposed to be placed. And and uh, evidently somebody had seen it and thought it was, you know, didn't know what it was. So they turned it into lost and found. Oh, and wow. we were, and so we were, we were able to tell them where where it should be and and uh, notify the cash owner that it had gotten moved and and she was going to take it back out and put it back out because they had permission to put it there, but it just got turned into lost and found as just a part of <laughs> part of daily life. But that's sometimes we get that, those kind of things as well where somebody will reach out. Yeah, and we assume the cash owner got it back, but we know we gave the the institution the name of the person so they could reach out to him or actually actually robert the other vice president reached out to the cash owner and said hey so and so at at the seminary called and they have your cash and i think they picked it up and actually put it back out themselves okay wow (laughs) there's just so many crazy little stories in geocaching like that that eventually come out and it was just always so interesting how you know the just the the world of geocachers and non-geocachers just kind of collide and intertwine sometimes and yeah and at one of the at our picnics we have like a geo bingo where you it's a it's i don't know nine by nine it has things that have happened to you gotten a speeding ticket i totaled my car going after a first to find you know i got stopped by the police or security you know, just, just silly things like that. You know, I don't know what you've done, John, um, but I've done. <laughs> Do we have off. to talk about that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, and that's why, and that's why those events are so much fun and why Slaga organization is so good because yeah, people do commiserate about their es- escapades. And there's a lot of people in Slaga who, who county run or road trip. I mean, I can, I know the, the board's now in front of me. So I keep looking at them for input. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I bet there's probably, yeah, there's probably, I don't know, there's a thousand plus or minus people part of Slaga um, who are active Slaga members. Um, or no, I'm sorry, it's a thousand people who like the Facebook page. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, we've got a pretty active Facebook group for yeah. Slaga. Um, people post a lot and then the, the Slaga officers post information to keep people informed as to things that are going on as well. So that's, yeah. One of the things that I know Slogger does in the area as well for the geocachers, and I think it's such a neat thing, but they do the the 12 days of Cashmas each year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that got started? I'll let you go with that one. I'm going to get a drink. Um, I don't, don't remember the name of the person who started it. They've moved out of the area, but 
87 prelude i think was was his name and he started that and yes yeah, so it's the the 12 days leading up to christmas there's a cash published each day um on those days and in each of the caches there's a uh, special uh, geocaching container ornament that's made by one of the local cachers that's for years made a, a different series of ornaments for each year. So some years it might be a little train engine with a, a bison tube in the back of it, or it might be uh, one year it was uh, blocks with letters on them. And one, um, one was a nutcracker. So there's there's one for each cache for each of those days. So the first to find hunt for those uh, those caches gets pretty intense. People are <laughs> uh, racing to try and get their ornament for the year or their ornament ever if i've only gotten one over the years and i think i'm not, not going to worry about it anymore and i've gotten two because there are some people who are diehard cashmas first to find fans that you know there's there's one family uh a mom and her two children that i don't know they've they've gotten one last three four years and i think they got the bonus three out of the last four years yeah they're 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 pretty good thank you they're pretty uh good at uh getting the bonus after the the 12 days of cash miss yeah so each of the 12 caches has a code in it or a set of codes and then if you find all 12 caches then you can put those codes together for the bonus cash and the bonus cash is anywhere from the day after christmas to they've done it as late as uh the uh the 31st of december so if you found all 12 you can get all the codes and solve to get to the bonus cash so there's always a bonus uh bonus cash as well as part of the series so yeah it's become and they're hit all over the st louis area in illinois um as well as in missouri so and different cash types as well i've seen this past year with a lot of multis wasn't there yeah there's multis <laughs> there's usually puzzle caches of some type unknowns of some type as an, well as some traditionals and a night cash typically i think there's typically been a at least night cash at least one one, night one, cash. one year typically um you know they had one night one this year and it was in forest park um, they've had one a few years ago that was in Forest Park. And that's the funny thing, you know, again, like you talk about stories is uh, I know a lot of people, you know, that it is, it's crazy trying people going for the first time. I mean, they're, they're seriously sitting at their computer or looking at their phone or driving around in the area they think it's going to be published in. Yes. And they wait. Yeah. I know people who stop it, you know, be parking at the parking lot at 44 and 270 saying, okay, the last one was North. So this one's probably going to be South. <laughs> i've seen some of the facebook posts and it sounds like it can get pretty intense for sure and i i've seen countdowns posted so many more hours until it comes out and stuff do you guys work with the the local reviewers to kind of coordinate like certain times and stuff that they come out to know when they're all going to get published yes the there's a person that organizes it um that's keeps track of getting all the cash hosts, the COs for each of the caches. Um, and they figure out where they're going to place all the different caches and helps organize getting all the cash pages put together. And then those all get submitted to the reviewers early um, so that they can, with a, with a note saying, you know, we want to publish this on this date. And uh, usually they pick different times. Some of them are early before work. Some of them are during the day. Some of them are evening or night caches. Okay. Um, so yes, it's coordinated with the reviewer to try and get the, um, get that to run smoothly. Uh, but there's usually only the one person, one or two people that know when each cache is going to publish. 
and the reviewer, of course. Yeah, the reviewer. And what has been happening the last couple of years uh, uh, is one of the caster, actually one of the board members, is he's live streaming, <laughs> live oh, streaming really? the first to find. And I again, it's uh, usually it's on the Facebook Slaga page, but that's that's kind of entertaining to watch, especially you know, especially at <laughs> night because you can't see anything. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Yeah, one of the events we've had in the past uh, that's been kind of interesting was a grave hop. A um, grave hop? How, okay. Yeah, you it was centered around uh, uh, Halloween time. And uh, basically it was um, going to different cemeteries in the area and getting certain information. And you do it as a team. Um, and each of your team had to be at the same place at the same time. So you had to use pictures to to verify your team was all together. But um, so going around to different cemeteries and getting information um, and trying to to uh, score as many points so that you could your team could take home the prize at the grave hop. So, and and, and unfortunately the the person organizing that is no longer able to do it. But it was so popular that that one of our neighboring associations picked it up and it's now doing it in their locale. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. Has you know with the. There are several neighboring associations, aren't there? Because there, I know there's a couple in Illinois. Mm -hmm. There's like a Southwest Missouri, I think. Mm -hmm. I know there's yes. a Kansas City area one. So does Slaga ever like cross-host events with the other associations or, or work with them in different ways? We We haven't. That was another thought that I was having and the board was having was to do what we're doing now. We have a, a group, a Zoom meeting with other associations because we saw something that uh, the GGA was doing that we thought was an interesting concept that we might want to institute in St. in St. Louis area. Um, and we, you know, there's always something. So we really haven't <laughs> had a chance to yeah, meet with them, but we've always, because there's always, you know, with picnics and, and teaching classes and et cetera, et cetera. Um, CEDOs, you know, we never seem to have time because again, we are a volunteer organization. Right. There's there's so much going on in the organization. And then you each have your own personal family lives that it, it gets chaotic trying to balance but Yeah, and everything. you're right. And, but going back to what you were saying is a lot of times at these events, you know, there's, shoot, there's a, probably an event this week. There's like an event every single day. But <laughs> uh, there's probably at least two or three events a month. And it is interesting. People will come from out of town. I think the last event in St. Charles um Robert's here now. Somebody came from, where was she from? Because she said it was a new organization. She was asking us, you know, they kind of like what we were in, in 2001. They have like 20 people and they communicate via text. And they're like, how do we make this group grow? That's a big I'm like, text well, chain. <laughs> they have a text change and that's awfully exclusive. <laughs> I said, create a Facebook page and publish, you know, hey, we're going to go to do this cash or we're going to have a get together or whatever, but uh, I can't remember where she was from, but I, we said, Hey, call email Slaga and we'll set up a, a zoom meeting to talk about things we do to help you create and grow your, the, your geocaching group in and your area. That's really cool. And, yeah. and then we also had another group from uh, up in uh, Milwaukee, right, Robert? Yeah. The, th the three girls, they Wisconsin. Wisconsin, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wisconsin where, you know, now they're, they're harassing us on Facebook on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, their organization covers the entire state. Yeah, yeah, their organization covers the entire state. But again, we talk oh, about wow. things they do and we do. 
um, at these at these get togethers, you know, not necessarily the picnics, but it's more of the smaller gatherings that, you know, that were able or actually the ones from Wisconsin, they actually had two events here. And really? every time they and every time they come through St. Louis, they have an event so that we can catch up with each other. And we saw two of them, two or three of them at Geo Woodstock. That's pretty cool. So for somebody who might be newer to the area or newer to geocaching, and they might feel a little hesitant or uneasy coming to an event, what advice do you have for them? Stay away from Cootie Man. <laughs> and they're all agreeing in the background. Thank you all. No, you should always feel <laughs> try to feel comfortable coming to an event because there's all different types of cashers. They're not all like Michael. I'm and, here for uh, entertainment. He's here for education. I'm here for entertainment. But we've got a variety of geocachers from every walk of life and every phase of life. And uh, there's always somebody that uh, to talk to. And geocachers are a very friendly group of people. Right. We're, we're normal people, just like anybody else. We just have different hobbies and maybe a little nerdy. But uh, <laughs> in, in our in our Geocache 101 class, we tell them, we said, if you like to do, if you like to be alone, geocaching is for you. If you like to geocache with other people or if you like to be with other people, geocaching is for you. If you like urban life, geocaching is for you. If you like rural life, geocaching is for you. If you like to take hikes, geocaching is for you. So if you like, if you're old, if you're older and retired, geocaching is for you. If you're young, just starting a family, geocaching is for you. So we try to enforce them that, hey, it is not just this type of person or that type of person. It is all kinds of people. And it's incredible. I We talk about it. I talk about it with other people. There are some people who are in their 70s and 80s. And oh, my gosh, they are in great shape. We're going up hills and I'm dying and they're up at the top <laughs> of the hill finding the cash. And it's it's just impressive, the the diversity and the ability of some of these people. That's definitely, there's a type of geocaching for everybody out there for sure. That is for sure, especially with the, the newer adventure labs um, and those kind of things, which make it a lot easier. You don't have to go hike in the woods. You don't even have to find a container. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. Okay, so I have one final question for you both. Why should somebody consider joining a geocaching association relationships yeah i think it's all about the people yeah because you'll find like i said it depends on what you want to do you, you know i said a lot of people road trip you'll find you know somebody you know you may want to geocache you know you might want to go travel all over the world to find geocaches if you join an organization association you'll probably find somebody else with the same interest who will do it with you if you like to take you know hikes to the, the highest point in every state, you'll find someone who's interested. We are normal people that just have common interests. So that would be the reason I joined an association because we also do good and, and, you know, get, get contact with muggles that uh, <laughs> create a relationship and make them comfortable with us as an organization. And it's also a lot about uh, information too. You can get a lot of information through your local organizations about things that are going on, different events that are happening, or maybe different caches that are just really special that people are talking about a lot. Um, so you can get a lot of good information through organizations as well. So that can be a be a real benefit. That's awesome. Very good. Thank you both so much for joining me. 
Uh, please tell the other board members thank you as well, because I know you all made the decision to come on here and represent Slaga. So I appreciate all of them agreeing to it as well. <laughs> and thank you for allowing part of your your meeting time for to make this happen. So no problem. Thank you My both and thank you all. You're welcome. Uh, you can tell your favorite cash. Can we tell you our favorite cash? Oh, I don't yes, mind. please, please do. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot because you didn't talk about this before. I'll tell you mine first. I went and saw the Great Wall of China. Did you really? Yep, in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Yes. Okay, you're going to have to explain this one to me. Yeah, there is a <laughs> eight foot long by six foot tall section of the Great Wall of China that was gifted to a businessman in the early 1900s who created four-wheel drive. Really? And I, told, and I told that the people that are like, you are so full of you know what. <laughs> and I said, no. And I took a picture and I said, Google it. And so there is a, that is my favorite cast because I love bragging about it that I saw the Great Wall of China. And then I pause, <laughs> of course. So I, it's, you know, it's it's in a little park in an a urban area, you know, up in Wisconsin. So yeah, I'd have to remember what it was. But uh, they gifted, when he gave them four-wheel drive, Chinese government, they gave him. He gave them or worked with them to give them four-wheel drive. They gave him a section of the Great Wall of China. Wow. That is wild. Yep. Hmm. Top, have, top have, that, John. I haven't seen yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many different, there's so many different good caches around that it's it's hard to I can remember my thousandth cache was one that I ended up going to a, a castle up north in North Kansas City. I think it's called Northmore Castle, maybe. And that's a very cool cache. It's basically it's a tour of a castle in somebody's somebody's yard. And you have to climb up to the top and there's a treasure chest up in the top of this tour to this castle. And uh, it was really cool. And uh, recently, a few of us just finished a, a cache series called The Architect, mm -hmm. which uh, which has you uh, um, going through a series of tours. Uh, Storm. I don't know what to call them sewers. What do they call them? Storm drain. Yeah. Storm drain. Storm culverts. Okay. Yeah. They're not sewers. Right. But, but the uh, water drainage. But you yeah. go through a. You end up in a bunch of uh, uh, storm. For, uh, the twelve to fourteen. Come to it's thirteen. Oh wow. And, uh, and it's it's a multi. It's just a and there's a big story behind it. It's all about uh, about hiding the uh, the chalice and finding the chalice and bringing it over to the United States and hiding it and there's a big story behind it. It's not just uh, the challenge of going through the, the storm culverts and, and uh, solving the puzzles. There's a bunch of puzzles involved and wow. most, of the, most of the cash is in Spanish and it's, yeah. it's a very interesting cash and it was a lot of fun. And, and it usually takes you, you know, you do it. We did it. I did it in a group of nine, I think. And you guys, you did it in a group of seven, yeah. but yeah, we, it took two and a half days to complete it. Oh, wow. Over, over two to four weeks. Right. <laughs> so, and then just uh, the last one I went to recently was on the way to Geo Woodstock. I went by the uh, webcam in the library down in Evansville, Indiana. Yes, I believe a lot of geocaches went by. There yeah, that, that was that was very popular on this trip down to <laughs> Geo Woodstock. But that was such a cool library. Uh, all oh, the wood beautiful. on the wood, uh, the wood staircases, and just really ornate. And yeah, it's got five webcams, I think, inside the library itself. Um, that was just a really cool experience. There's just so many different kinds of caches, as yeah. we've talked earlier. Anything you want to do, you can find a, 
a geocache to take you to a great looking spot, you know, beautiful overlooks, great hikes. So not not only to join an association, but the geocaching has got me to places, you know, before I did geocaching, my wife and I did roadside attractions. Mm-hmm. And then after oh. I did after I did geocaching, I realized there were geocaches at every one of those roadside attractions. So I was I kicked myself, but it gives you an opportunity. Geocaching itself gives you an opportunity to go places you would never go, like the Great Wall of China in Wisconsin, <laughs> uh, a cemetery in Oklahoma for circus for circus uh, people who have, you know were buried there. It's oh just wow! Very entertaining. You know, if you like that unusual unusual history stuff, it's it's a great game to play to learn that to be exposed to it. So we appreciate you uh, interviewing us. I I appreciate you talking with me and I've made notes of these amazing sounding caches and now I have to go look them up and put them <laughs> on my geocaching bucket list. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's always plenty to do. Yeah, there's always there's, there's always, always a goal always to go. More. There's always we, more. There's a, we have so many stories to talk. We don't have time for that. <laughs> we have so many stories just about Robert that, you know, it's just. <laughs> Michael's photos. Yeah. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> Robert, you have a reputation, I guess. Oh, do I? I I I see stuff in the Facebook group about GeoKid and Yep, mm-hmm. GeoKid, right? Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Robert. Yeah. That, That's he's Robert. one of our he's one of so. our vice presidents and and usually I do I do a lot of the posting on the Facebook page. Um but yeah, we try to post, and that's that's why we get people ask people to look at the Facebook page just to get be exposed to. Hey, yeah, these guys are they're a little goofy, but they are normal people, and they enjoy, you know, enjoy the game and enjoy each other. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much, not just for being on the podcast, but you and all the other board members for what you do for Slaga and the geocaching community. You guys, You're you welcome. guys are doing a lot. We appreciate and, that. Thank and you. It's it's appreciated. So thank you guys for all your efforts. So. You're welcome. Thank you. And I know you have a board meeting to get yep. to that I have been holding you up from. So <laughs> yeah, they've been eating in front of us. So we, you know, it's not been. Very oh nice. my goodness, it's torture. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you have You've a good been night. Listening to Geocache Adventures with me, again. Shadow Dragon thank One. You. Thank you. If you'd like to thank get in you. touch, Bye. you can reach out to me on Facebook. Instagram or go to geocacheadventures.org and you can find the information on the contact page. Theme music is by The Travel Bugs. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers. It is full of articles and pictures all submitted by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself and I love it. My favorite part is the little snippets on the edges of the articles on all the different pages. Those are my favorites. Just go to ftfgeo.com to check them out and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. 